this time on episode 374 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode six, One World, One People, weekly Marvel news, and your feedback. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director S.B. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, April 25th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live come and join our live chat as we record and as we continue here welcome back to the show chris farrell how you doing chris i'm doing good thanks for having me back evidently i haven't screwed it up too much yet Uh, yeah i i have not (laughs) gotten a tcma takedown notice or a lawsuit from anybody so you're clear so far well let's see what we can do this week then and Chris, just to remind everybody, you are part of the Good Geek Network and you have your own show. That's correct. I am the producer and one of the hosts of the All Things Good and Nerdy show podcast slash show, whatever you want to call it. We call it a wacky weekend morning show that we stream live every Sunday morning and then post the next day so that our shenanigans is out there for the internet to see and hear. Shenanigans indeed. And once in a while, you guys talk comic books. We do. Uh, we have Mr. Anthony Bachman who's on the show. He's much more comic oriented than I at this point in time. but. Haven't been reading a ton of books lately other than just, well, a lot of Invincible, but that doesn't really fit in with this topic. No, but have you been watching the show? I am two episodes behind. I will be caught up for the finale on this upcoming Friday. The finale is already? It is good. Okay, I need to watch it. (laughs) It is violent and bloody. Be aware of that. But it's good. I'm going to be watching Mortal Kombat as soon as we're done with this, so that (laughs) does not bother me. Yeah, so Invincible is an animated show for adults. Don't let children watch the show. It's not Ooh. because of language or anything like that. But at one point in time, there's a guy whose head gets squished and his eyeball pops out. And there's blood and gore and everything associated with it. You don't want children seeing that. It is sort of related because the creator, Mark Wade, has written for Marvel Comics. Robert Kirkman created Invincible. Oh. Robert Kirkman has also written for Marvel Comics. <laughs> what am I thinking of Mark Wade for? I mean, he's done Captain America books. I know that. Oh, because he did Irredeemable. Okay. Yes. I got my eye titles mixed up. And Incorruptible, its tie-in book, is also very good. I would have easily mixed that up. All right. So we are talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier today. But before we get there, today is Happy National DNA Day. As a former lab worker in a genetics lab, I like this day. I like this day a lot. Well, what is this day about? Okay, so in 2003, the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives proclaimed April 25th as National DNA Day. There was a one-time celebration, but 
people have been continuing to celebrate, and I think that's good. DNA is very important. On this day in 1953, Watson and Crick had formally announced their discovery of DNA, conveniently leaving out Rosalind Franklin. Please look her up. So, yeah, now we we know stuff like we'd had hints before of like, oh, hey, something is making, you know, if you breed these two plants, something is heritable and I don't know. But they finally were able to use x-ray crystallization, I want to say, to see DNA. And it's ever since then, it's been mapped. Look up the Human Genome Project. We're able to use knowledge of that, DNA, RNA, all of that, for things like the COVID vaccine, which is super useful. A malaria, a potential malaria vaccine was just announced last week, which is a huge deal. Malaria has killed more people in time than anything else. And it's all because uh, we learned these little repeating things encode for proteins and those proteins make all living things and with a little bit of help like with right now with the messenger rna vaccines that tells the rna of you know our cells to do a thing rna is related to dna but they're not the same thing dna has the double helix rna well i guess they both have the double no, no, RNA is no okay. RNA is single stranded. Yeah, because deoxyribonucleic acid and then ribonucleic acid. Yeah, they have different sugars and RNA has uracil. Yeah. I've been teaching biology for 20 years, so hey. I, could, uh, <laughs> I could go on as well. But yeah, you know, DNA does relate to this because of serum and stuff. So let's get back to the show. Exactly. Let's do that indeed. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of Captain America and the Winter Soldier. You'd like to discuss the title change to Captain America and the Winter Soldier? You can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can find us on Facebook. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We are talking The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 6, the finale episode of the season, or, as we were just alluded to, should we say, the Captain America and the Winter Soldier series. It was on Disney Plus April 23rd, 2021, that is two days ago, the day that we were recording this, and the title was One World, One People. Lauren, who directed this episode? This episode was directed by a familiar name. Harry Scogland, who has 57 directing credits starting in 1994, including six of the Borges, one of the Killing, two of Under the Dome, two of Longmire, two of Vikings, one of Penny Dreadful, two of Fear the Walking Dead, one of the Americans, two of The Walking Dead, 
one of The Punisher, five of The Handmaid's Tale, and all six of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And Michelle, who wrote this episode? This episode has two writers. We have Joseph Sawyer, has six writing credits starting in 2012, including one being Mary Jane, two SEAL Team, and one Falcon and Winter Soldier. The other writer is the showrunner of the show, Malcolm Spellman has six writing credits starting in 2006, including six Empire and two Falcon and a Winter Soldier. Chris, one world, one people. That's the title of the episode. Do you want to equate what that is to the episode? Well, it's the slogan of Carly and the Flag Smashers as they're going around trying to right what they perceive to be the wrongs. And it sort of ties in a little bit to Sam's speech at the end. I think that's really, yeah, that's good. I mean, you could also say, the whole transformation of Sam deals with the one world, one people in there as well. And a couple other things, but uh, I think unless there's anything else, we can move on to the next thing. Yeah. Okay. And we all agreed that we wanted to start with the 26 minute and 32nd flight scene back to back, front to back, side to side, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't all fighting. I mean, there was some setup scenes in there, but the entire fight from the beginning of the episode, which it basically went right into until it ended, was at the 26 and 32nd mark of the episode. I know because I stopped at a pause and I watched where it was. It was an amazing fight, wasn't it, Michelle? Yes, we had so much. We got Sam bursting in through the window, not only with new wings, but with the shield and the new outfit. I don't know about you, but he burst in and I was like, you know, fist pumping, yes. And the skill that he has with manipulating his wings, using them as not just in the air, but also as leverage. Like he was able to like pop his wings out and use one to like help stop him and help propel him and shield himself. He really has mastered not only his wings, but also the shield because he was just able to bounce it off of people and it was just amazing well sam like we talked about like michelle mentioned with his wings they've been doing a really good job this entire season of illustrating how he's using the wings to complement his fighting style and then more so when we see him as captain america in this episode like during this large opening fight scene he's on the bridge or something like that and there's something crashing down on him he's able to use the wings as a shield around his body in a in a pedestrian and then put the shield over top so he's entirely shielded, for lack of a better term, but with them, which I thought was really cool. And then in regards to how he throws the shield, have you guys noticed he throws it a bit differently than Steve and Bucky do? I did not actually notice that, but I'm glad that they kind of worked that in because unlike Steve and Bucky, he has no super soldier serum. He is just a guy. I mean, granted, he's a guy in a flying armored outfit, but there's something that's just so wonderful to me about the fact that we see Sam being just outright awesome and heroic and all this. And we know he is just a guy. Exactly. I mean, and when it comes to the shield, what's been really cool with it, we've seen, especially in the training montage last week, him doing like all those flips in the air and things like that. But he incorporates that with throwing the shield. Whereas Steve and Bucky are super soldiers. They don't have to wind up. He kind of uses the physics of, doing a flip and releasing as he lets go to impart extra force onto it. And then I thought it was kind of cool too. When he goes back to catch the shield, 
Steve or Bucky could just kind of reach out and grab it as it comes back to them. You tend to see Sam grab it and then bring his arm back so that all the momentum can kind of wear down some of the momentum by bringing his arm back with it instead of just sticking his arm out and having that force all hit his hand. So I thought it was interesting in a different way to show his fighting style and how someone without the super soldier formula would deal with a giant flying vibranium disc. Sam's costume was great. His actions were great. His fighting was phenomenal. He was Captain America from the moment that he was first on screen until the very last scene, which we will talk about at the very end of the episode. This is Captain America. It was awesome. I have a correction to make. So last week when we were talking about the whole, oh, the, the legal situation with the shield, blah, 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 it was a gift. Okay, this was not that shield, and I completely forgot about that. This is the one that Steve took back in the past when he time-traveled. So yeah, it is still kind of a gray area, because how do you count objects from a different timeline? I don't know. But that was still the shield that he was carrying in in game, which is the one from Wakanda. So he time-traveled with the one that he was given and and such he had to go back to pick up the shield yeah the the wakanda shield was different it was a different shape and it was black thanos destroyed that well thanos destroyed what is known as the original shield that captain america had going back to movie one presumably somewhere when cap was going back in time he either reacquired it and plucked it from an alternate timeline or something like that and we're probably picking it nitpicking a little bit here, but as far as the public and the government knows that shield that was given to Sam is still the original that Steve had. Now, those of us who are aware of all the time travel complications, yeah, could it's start. just been, it's just been bugging me all week that I said something that was incorrect. Hey, in game really. Yeah. Let's not go back to the time travel stuff and everything, but Sam wasn't alone in the fight. I think it was interesting. The, Flag Smashers had a plan to get all of the important GRC people out and to hijack the helicopter and the two bands. Interesting plan. It, there was Bucky who took a call from Carly and interesting conversation. But he, it, she was like, you know, hey, you've been a good help because Bucky was supposed to help stop the people getting into the trucks. and. Even Sharon, who we'll talk about later, was like, you had one job, Bucky. But Bucky, in you know, later on, had that really cool fight with the uh, steel beam and the flag smasher. That was interesting. It, it was very interesting in the episode. Bucky basically says he hasn't won one cause that he's been fighting for. World War II, he didn't win because he got frozen in ice and resurrected as the Winter Soldier, basically. Thanos, he lost. So those were two fights that he was fighting that he lost. He didn't win either. And this is the first time, I believe, on screen that Bucky actually saved people. He was saving the people from the armored car that was transferring the GRC. This was a first win for him. That was great for Bucky's character. Well, and I also like that he took the moment to take that call with Carly, not necessarily because he didn't think he'd be able to talk her out of it, but he at least tried. And it was more of, I've got to try and de-escalate, similar to what we've seen Sam do throughout this season. And Bucky's starting to take some cues from Sam on, hey, maybe here's how I need to live in this modern world as I'm still coping with tons and tons of trauma that's been heaped on me is that I can't just 
be a weapon that gets pointed at someone to go attack. Let's try and use what I know to try and talk her down. And obviously he fails at this point in time. She's pretty much set in her ways for what she wants to do. But he tried. And go back to Bucky at the beginning of this series. He'd have taken the phone call and probably hung up on it partway through to follow the mission, which is the life he's pretty much lived up until that point in time. Everything's about a mission. To get back to the fight, just before we leave it completely, U.S. agent John Walker comes into the fray with his homemade shield. And you were talking about throwing the shield earlier, and it was just so sad that he couldn't throw the shield and use it as well as, you know, the Vibramian Captain America shield. It just is not the same. He tried, but it just isn't the same. And it got dented and stuff like that, but at least it kind of worked a little bit as a shield. So that's good. It's just not as good as the original, but he's there and he actually makes a choice as well to try to help the people that were going to go over the cliff, the structure, the high rise structure that was being built. He actually stops against going against further the flag smashers, the people that killed his friend. And he tries to save some people who wasn't successful, but he did try. So Yeah, the origin story of the anti-hero of U.S. agent, I believe, is complete. We'll talk about the actual naming later. But he was effective during the fight to be part of the team that was fighting, which was Captain America, I will say, Sam, and Bucky. Carly, we've talked about it before. What exactly was it? Was her purpose just to come in and say that there is a problem worldwide and it had to be considered by the GRC. She got her point across. They all died in the end. She mentioned as long as the point gets across, it doesn't matter if we win or lose or uh, are alive at the end. But was that her sole purpose? I think yes. And to bring certain issues to light, I'm thinking, I know production on this got rushed, but I think this series suffers from the uninteresting generic MCU villain thing that like some of the other films have had the same thing with Sharon to me, if you take out the whole power broker part of it, the story doesn't completely fall apart. I think there was just a lot of stuff they were trying to do. So Carly's goals, I think they sort of address how they shift during this episode, at least because originally the thought was, to kidnap them and make a statement and to be able to hold them ransom for what they wanted. And as things became more and more desperate, it was basically, no, we're going to kill them because that'll get the message across. And we may not make it through this either because, you know, they're fighting John Walker, they're fighting Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I guess, technically Bucky at that point in time. So the plan evolved, but their plan was to make a statement by capturing those leaders of the GRC to hold them hostage and then bring to light what was going on. In regards to the wellest of foreign plans, it probably isn't, but they're also pretty desperate at this point in time too, because they've lost all the super soldier formula. So the power broker is going to be coming after them. They've lost their last engagement with Sam and Bucky and all them and had something traumatic and terrible happen on television that kind of takes away from any discussion on the flag smasher movement. So this is the last ditch, last grasp of an effort to try and figure out some way to bring attention to their cause. And, Whatever happens, happens at that point in time. So I think it's interesting to contrast Carly's character with the other characters who have become super soldiers that we've seen or have taken the serum. I mean, include Red Skull in that. With Steve, Steve was an idealist when we first saw him. So was Carly. The thing is, again, it's Carly was also somebody who came from nothing, much like Steve. 
but the circumstances were different. The time is different. She's somebody like we find out like a few episodes ago that, well, first of all, they mention here that she's basically a teenager. So subtract five years from that. And we find out how old she was during the snap. She was a young teenager, let's say maybe 13, 14. And so she's somebody who had to grow up in this world. And so, of course, her influences are going to be different. Of course, you know, her reactions are going to be different. She's somebody who came from a background of oppression and scarcity and had to fight for everything that she's had. So, of course, when something happens, that's all she sees her option as being is just continue fighting. She has seen that the people with the power, the Avengers, etc., they lost. That was not how to do it. But again, it's, well, I'm going to have to do what I can, use what I can to try to get my goals heard, to try to get my voice heard. So she takes drastic measures. It's not great. It is absolutely not a great plan. It is well, as we see, it's it's pretty bad and a lot of people get hurt and killed, her included. But look at desperate people everywhere at any time. You try to go through all the routes that they tell you to go through. You try to be polite. You try to vote. You try to, you know, whatever. And for some people, that change doesn't come fast enough or... The system might be oppressing their voices. It doesn't matter what country you're in. You can find an example of this anywhere. There's like three, four, five different things in the news right now I can point to. So I like that they had her as somebody who was fairly sympathetic until she started killing innocent people. But you also, at the very end, you see that scared kid who just wanted to help. I was just hoping for more development of that because we really don't see it. We're really having to make these connections ourselves. How did a teenager get this influence? Just how does the flag smashers work? They have that app that they got used against them. Bucky, I guess, learned how to use a cell phone. That's great. That's what I'm talking about. Why her? I wanted more development of her. And again, they, they tried to do a lot. This is the origin story for U.S. agent. There's the flag smashers and sort of deal. Let's show Sharon Breaking Bad. Like I said, they tried to do a lot. And I was hope you know, more development of something like that to where that sudden switch of her blowing up people. When the previous episode, she was being Robin Hood, and then the next episode, she's blowing up people. It would have been, what I'm saying is like, it just would have been great if there was more development of them. I wish this had been a 10 episode series instead of six, because I feel like there was enough to flesh out in terms of the world and the characters. One thing I will add, and this will, we can kind of springboard off of this if y'all want is I think Carly was being used as a tool. She started up a thing. The power broker presumably heard about it and was like, I can use this. That's how she gets the resources. As we find out, that's how 
she gets that ability to get that reach. That's how she gets the super soldier serum. And we find out who the power broker is this episode, too. We do. Allegedly, it is Sharon, although she's never comes out and says it. But I think universally, everybody is saying that, oh, okay, Sharon is the power broker. Okay. I said all along, I'm not going to be heartbroken if she is. I'm not going to be heartbroken if she isn't. I said, I think she, her character development wasn't there. But look, reading between the lines, I, I could see where they were going now post everything there is an out possibility for the whole thing that actually ties into the captain america comics i don't believe we're headed there we could be who knows but uh, i've got a couple of shaking and nodding of heads okay so i think we know there's a secret invasion show coming up we just had a lot of casting announcements over the past couple weeks i think she's a scroll well or whatever they're going to be using in the comics it's a like group of scroll religious extremists. Let's see if they go that way. But anyway, I think she has been, you know, invasion of the body snatchers. I had a similar theory also, as when we watched the show, she took a gut shot that and I think most cases would be a slow lingering death. And instead she's able to pick herself up, help defeat Carly by shooting her when she was making it look like she may kill Sam, and then refuses to go to the doctor and is seemingly upright and mobile fairly well when she goes off with Bucky and scrolls are a bit hardier than traditional baseline humans. So I think it's possible that she could be a scroll and this could be one of the scroll agents they have put in place to do things. Don't know if that'll be the case, but it sort of makes sense because they've been talking a lot about secret invasion coming up regardless of whether she is or not. I kind of look forward to this character appearing in some capacity during secret invasion and having some kind of, Nick Fury, Sharon Carter confrontation where he might be like, power broker and kind of let the cat out of the bag that he's Fury. He knows everything that goes on. I think that's an easy way out. And I know it's like a lot of people are like, well, she automatically has to be a scroll because she's Sharon Carter and we need it to be that in order to make all this make sense because, you know, at the end they're talking about, oh, the Carter name means so much. As we've been talking about, I just think she broke bad. I really would like for that to be the way. And as for getting shot, it's TV. I don't know how many times we see a character get shot. And then two days later, they're running around. It's TV medicine. I can see the evidence of her being a scroll. I think that would be an easy out. So I think what they're doing here is just trying to put that doubt in play. Do I think she'll actually be a scroll? I lean towards no, just because the way these things tend to work is they like to make us have these wild guesses of what's going to happen. It's generally something that's much simpler, i.e. everything I guessed that was going to happen in WandaVision, and I was delighted to be wrong, but that's neither here nor there. I think it's quite simple. It could be much simpler that she's a woman who did what she thought was right, got burned by it, has been on the run ever since, but has seen the heroes that were involved and arguably did worse than what she did get revered, continue to be heroes, and fold themselves back into society as a whole. Meanwhile, she's stuck on the outside being like, wait a second, I did what I thought was right too, but I've been burned, and these folks aren't. And, you know, that'd make me a little cranky too, and I'd be like, this whole institution that my family and I have dedicated my life to, I'm going to burn it to the ground. And that's effectively what she's doing when we get to that post credit scene where she gets read back in, and she's like, I have access to all these secrets. It's on. 
I would not be too upset about either of those options. I mean, with one, you get a setup for something down the line. With the other, I really like that characterization. So I win either way. Do you think she could be working with Val? Maybe. That's possible. It's possible. I just want to take a second and go back to the comic origin of Sharon and when she shot Steve Rogers, Captain America. She was the one in the comics that shot Steve and killed him. And she was under the mind control of Red Skull. So not a scroll, but Red Skull back then when she did that. So there is some comic history here with Sharon. And I could see possibly using that as a misdirect here or an actual thing. Either way, it's kind of fun to watch now because it's like, okay, what is Sharon actually doing? And you mentioned it right. You know, when Fury comes around, it's like, yeah, I, I know what's going on. You're power broker, power broker. <laughs> I'll show you power, that sort of thing. I, I could see all this stuff happening and it's just going to be a fun ride. I get Sharon Carter. I get Emily Van Camp on screen more. We didn't get to see her used all that much in the movie. She was in a few of them, but she wasn't in all of them. And yeah, okay. I'm going along for the ride now because it's going to be a ride, whatever it is. I think these series are giving us some background that'll be used in the upcoming movies and setting up the future phase four and phase five of what's going on. If we're, I think we're in phase four. I mean, we are debating that before I I should really do some research into that. We are. um, I want to say Spider-Man far from home was the beginning of phase four. Okay. It's either the beginning or the end of phase three, depending because they did something weird with that when it came to the last Avengers and Ant-Man too. Yeah. So Sharon's going to be around for a while and it'll be fun. I mean, they set her up at the end. She's going to be around. Val's going to be around. Val's in the mix right now. That was fun. Of course, she was nowhere in the actual fight that we saw the first half, but she came in, did her little scene. You mentioned something, Michelle, that I I just want to harken back. You mentioned it with the Carly that this is filmed during COVID and COVID could have diverted some scenes or story that was needed to be told or something like that. This was always going to be a six episode special event, but the story could have been a little bit better or maybe breadcrumbs left a little bit better along the line. I don't think the series was bad, but we have to remember just like WandaVision that there might've been some things that needed to be taken out or weren't filmed because they just couldn't do due to COVID here. Good call there. I completely forgot about it. We talked about it extensively during WandaVision. We haven't talked about it a, a wink during this series at all. Well, and some of the news stories are tending to report that COVID potentially impacted the reveal of Val, which is supposedly she was going to show up in Black Widow. They're going to establish the character there, and that was supposed to be the tie-in to Falcon and Winter Soldier, has been reported. So because things got out of order, remember, this was supposed to be the first MCU series, was Falcon and Winter Soldier right after Black Widow. We've kind of seen things shuffle a little bit and they still introduced the character. It didn't resonate as much until people heard a name and started reading to see who it was. But had we seen that person in Black Widow, it would have been a, oh, this is awesome kind of moment as you start to see how things tie together. So I I think there's some COVID impacts for sure. And I think they're probably setting some things up for a future movie and or a potential continuation on Disney Plus of this. There's so many things that were set up with this we talked about the thunderbolts last time we talked about the future captain or we didn't talk about it yet but we're going to the future captain america movie and it's just so much stuff that happened in here 
and in WandaVision that's going to be happening in the future. It's great. I love it. It's the MCU. It's what happens. And they continue to beat us over the head that Young Avengers is coming. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Yeah, we saw Eli again. That was great. Yep. And, I mean, it's not even acknowledged that he's going to be any part of an Avenger or anything like that. But and it shouldn't be at this point in time. It should be, hey, here's a character. And when this starts to happen, everything comes together. It's the fan who may not have read the comics goes, oh, expletive. That's the guy from Falcon and Winter Soldier. What I really like, especially in this episode with regards to Eli, is you can see the breadcrumbs leading to him being Patriot there. I mean, it's not like, hey, this guy's going to be Patriot. Torres is going to be the new Falcon, whatever. But you can see now Eli has a bit of a vested interest. You can see that Torres, you know, had that little spark. And I'm so excited to see what comes next. Before we leave the final fight completely, I have some questions about Sharon that I'm wasn't able to think through since I saw the episode. Why exactly did Sharon want to kill Sam? And why did she want to take out the Flag Smashers since they were working for her? I, I don't understand what happened to those two things. The Flag Smashers, I understand. You don't want loose ends. Sam, that was what got me thinking scroll because, okay, the plan in the comics was you replace these strong figures these very vital figures with your own and then have them undermine things so that the planet's easier to conquer. So if you don't have Sam, you don't have that chosen replacement by Steve, you don't have that Captain America figure, you're removing a big symbol of morale. It's a a bigger thing than just, oh, this guy can fight. It's this guy means something to people. Better yet, you kill Sam and replace him with a scroll and do the complete opposite of what Sam's final speech was at the end of this episode, where it kind of tries to ease global tensions, but instead have scroll Sam decide to inflame them more because that disrupts the world governments, making the secret invasion continue better. That's all assuming we're going down the scroll path. I don't understand yet what her justification, assuming she's not a scroll would be for taking Sam out other than just concern that he uncovers what's going on. I smiled a little bit when you said it. Sam did not say anything. Well, he did, but he did not say his speech at the end of the episode. It was at the end of the fight, which was the middle of the episode. (laughs) Okay. So let's move on to Val a little bit because do we think, is this going to be a big, conspiracy theory on what she is involved in what she's not involved in what she's planning what she's not planning was she involved in zemo's butler did she orchestrate a lot of this or want a lot of this to be orchestrated in certain ways this is amazing with this character you have no idea where she's coming from i think that's in part because she's been on screen for like five minutes well, yeah. the entire series there's also i loved her whole like but i didn't do that or did i but i did but i what if I loved that. It's just watching Julia Louis-Dreyfus have so much fun in that role just brings me joy. Yeah, she says things are going to get complicated. And remember, in the comics, she's a triple agent, ultimately working for Leviathan. And we just don't really know. I like it. 
I know we're going to get U.S. agent. And it's going to be interesting about where that goes. There's a lot of seeds planted. There's more seeds planted than I thought was going to be, which is interesting. I think once we see Black Widow and if she is actually in that and get a better idea of what her motivations might be in there, it would make it interesting to rewatch these parts of Falcon and Winter Soldier with her in it. To be like, oh, based off what I've seen of this character, again, assuming she's in it, like the rumors are, now I sort of begin to understand how she's manipulating and pulling levers and switches to do things. Another main point of this whole episode was the recognition of Isaiah. Sam goes after the fight. Sam goes to see Isaiah again. Isaiah basically vindicates him. I mean, they had the little sparring going back and forth, but between the two of them, but it was benevolent sparring. They were smiling back and forth. And then Sam takes Isaiah and Eli to the Captain America Memorial. And that was very impactful because finally there was recognition of what was going on. Now, Isaiah is still assumed to be dead, though, right? Officially. Yes. Officially, yes. Officially, yes. Okay. But still, that scene was very impactful, wasn't it, Michelle? I cried. Not going to lie. Even I really enjoyed their conversation before and had no idea where Sam was. I mean, like, hey, I'm going to take you somewhere. I thought he was going to, I don't know, just maybe take him to meet his sister or something. I'm, I had no idea it was going to be that. It was wonderful. I figured there was going to be an update of some kind at the museum. And I'll be honest, when I saw Isaiah and his grandson see the statue and the acknowledgement of what had happened to him, brought a smile to my face. But then I heard my wife next to me go, how the hell did they get a statue built that quick? And I started laughing and I paused and go, maybe it's 3D printed. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. It takes, oh my God, it takes so much time to get important statues made because there's the whole thing of well, who's going to design it? What should it look like? What are we going to... I like that it was expedited, but at the same time, it kind of... like, Yeah, I cried. I teared up. But then about halfway through the scene, I got really distracted by that because I am that person. And to be fair, we don't exactly know how much time has passed since the end of the fight and the speech that Sam gives to the world and this moment. So in theory, it could have been months that have gone down the road. I don't think it was because how they wrapped up Bucky's story didn't seem to indicate it was a long passage of time, but it could have been enough and money talks that they can get things done. Well, what had to have been some time because Bucky actually took Sam's advice and started to make amends, not avenge. And he gets his book done because we see him leave it for his psychiatrist or therapist, whichever one they term they used. I don't really think that happened in a week. So given his time travel and then paperwork, paperwork to get because the GRC back down. So there would have been paperwork about that in a new process. The paperwork needed to get Sharon's pardon. I think enough time had passed to get a statue made. Or they just 3D printed it because that stuff's quick. And then when the statue's done, you replace the 3D print with a statue because you can put enough paint and stuff on 3D prints. You can make it look like a statue. Or you can like create a mold with the 3d print and Mm -hmm. use that as a basis i know a lot of people on etsy who do 3d printed jewelry that's how they do it they create the mold and then regardless it was a powerful moment and you got the acknowledgement and if you didn't have an actor that was as good as carl lumley there i don't know how well it would pay off because he's a very good actor like going back to me watching him on alias when i was a kid i was like man 
this guy's awesome and continues to be awesome to this day and everything he's in. I was really hoping that we're going to get more Carl or Isaiah in the MCU. Don't know if that's going to happen or not. Just for showing up with scenes as Eli progresses on or something like that. It would, it would be awesome. It would. I would not be surprised if he shows up in whatever they do as they start progressing these young Avengers storylines, be it it's a Disney plus show or if they do a movie or something like that, because it is a big plot point in the comics how much Eli loves his grandfather and also feels his grandfather had been slighted for things that had happened to him. And he appears in those comics. I would hope that they've got him signed up to be able to bring him back as they begin fleshing out and doing more with the young Avengers. At the end, we get that great scene of Bucky and Sam together having the party by the boat and just acknowledging that there are a couple of people. It's after the montage of Bucky doing the amends, which that was rough, but that last scene was great. I love that when we first saw them, they were just antagonizing each other. It was very big. Like I felt like it gave me the energy of when you see like step families on in TV shows and the kids are butting heads over who the parents love more. And it was kind of that situation or like, you know, old best friend meets new best friend and who do they love more? It's a trope. And this has created enough of a bond between them that I saw somebody point out Bucky doesn't have his gloves on during that scene. You only really see him take the glove off either one when it's time to go to work or two when he's comfortable around someone. And we see him talk the kids hanging off his arm and he's just hanging out, seems to be enjoying himself for the first time in a really long time. It wasn't a one-way street between them. We had, yeah, we had Sam tell Bucky, get your act together. But we also had Bucky pushing Sam, like, look, me and Steve thought that you were this and you could be this and we trust you and I'm putting my trust in you. We see him assuming the on-your-left position later on. There's a lot of little visual stuff in there that's just very, very good. His smile the first time he sees Sam in the suit. Oh, so good. Well, and he, Bucky finally also understands why Sam gave up the shield originally. Now there's that good line, especially after Sam delivers his speech where he goes, Steve and I knew you should be the man to have the shield, but we didn't understand. And how could we, what it would be like to say a black man should carry the shield and they wouldn't. And that was part of what Sam was saying, why he didn't take it. And things like that. And then you start to hear the story of Isaiah and things that have happened there. So you see some evolution on that front. I think we're at a point now where Sam and Bucky have formed a bond of their own. That's not just, hey, we were Steve Rogers' best friend in different eras. It's, hey, we have a lot in common and we helped each other through some serious crap here, both mentally, both with problems in the world, things like that. And I think it's really nice at the end to see Bucky smiling, open around people where he's not seemingly afraid of someone coming out from somewhere he's not predicting to attack him because he was the winter soldier or that it's lingering winter soldier training that has him on edge because he never knows what's going to happen. He has truly found a way to move past a lot of that trauma and be able to live in this modern day world. And arguably that's something Sam helps a lot with. And Sam has training in which to help with. And it's something that another character drastically needs in this show that I'm sure we can touch on here in a few too. I liked after the fight when Sam and Bucky were walking away, when Bucky 
pat Sam and, you know, in a football sense, you pat him on the bum or baseball sense, pat him on the bum or whatever, or pat, give it a shoulder pat or whatever. He pats him on the back of the shield, you know, as this is where the shield belongs. You are Captain America. I like the symbolism with that, but also with the fact that as they were talking about in the train right before the training montage in the last episode, that they're not just a couple of guys. They are now Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier previously. They are that. So whatever you want to call them, a team, uh, buddy cops, they're more than just a couple of guys or a couple of guys that were friends of Steve's. They're now together. Okay, so before we move on, I just wanted to bring up one small thing. Okay, we've talked a lot about the little elements of the show. Sebastian Stan's body language throughout his whole run as Bucky at Neolithic Sheep on Twitter has pointed out like, look, you can actually track the evolution of his character by how he walks. He goes from, you know, being kind of confident and jaunty the first time we see him to being more cautious when after, you know, he's rescued by Steve to the murder walk as Winter Soldier. It's a little bit back to the post-rescue Bucky at the beginning of it. And now we see him being that kind of confident person again. It's really a testament to these actors, how just like the little physical choices they made, whether it's like that with Bucky or you can kind of track Sam's body language too, as he's getting more confident. Like you pointed out how he throws the shield, how he catches the shield. And that, I think, is one of the signs of a really good actor is it's not just the words. It's not just the intonation. It's using all of your tools. That's a very good point. And Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan and Wyatt Russell all did a very good job portraying how their characters are getting messed up or dealing with things just off of how they walk and how they move. And I know Wyatt Russell's caught a bunch of flack from fans. I don't understand their reasoning, but he was very very good in that role and yeah he did his job because you absolutely hated that character at first because he wasn't steve i didn't hit him at first i hated him once he made a couple of choices like he didn't make good choices early on in the series but i didn't hate him just for putting on the suit yeah i think i have thoughts about john walker and his move to redemption that's one of the things that i feel the series should have been longer to tackle Because you have this guy who we just saw him murder somebody with the shield. And yeah, we know he is a good guy. He's not a great guy, but he's a good guy. But he's still somebody who did this horrible thing. And we know that he has trauma from his experience in the military before that. And now he has the trauma of losing his best friend and the trauma of committing murder all over the internet. And now we see him a little bit more well balanced at the end i didn't quite buy it again wyatt russell is a fantastic actor i think it's a testament much as i hate to say it it's a testament to him that so many people were mad at him you saw the same thing with the guy that played joffrey in game of thrones but i think to do the character justice we should have had a little bit longer development there to see him at climbing up from the bottom so that it didn't just feel like well, he's fine now. Uh, everybody thinks he's okay now. 
I don't think the case is that they're saying he is. I think he's portraying himself like he's that way. I don't think he's anywhere close to being normal or even really accepted by everyone because of everything that happened. I mean, John Walker, good soldier, arguably an okay guy. And he was put in an incredibly stressful situation of you have to be the new Steve Rogers. You have to be Captain America on top of whatever trauma had happened to him that they only hint at. We don't really get a full picture of it. And then he gets his butt handed to him as Captain America. So he's got all this pressure that he has to be this, takes the super soldier serum, and then just that accentuates everything. Dr. Eskrin said that if you're a good soul. If you're a good man, it makes you a great man, but it also accentuates those traumas and those flaws. And we see that he's not really back all the way. There's two different instances in this fight scene where he, he had to stop and make a decision. And the very first one is when they light the truck on fire with the GRC, uh, senators or, or administrators in it he chooses to keep fighting not to go get people out of the truck like we see bucky go do he makes a conscious decision to keep fighting because he's not quite thinking clearly and at the end he makes the right decision to try and save the truck but i don't think he's all put together as we're expecting i think he's kind of putting on a front like hey i'm starting to get back to normal he's not really normal he hasn't done anything to treat the trauma or any things that happened to him he's putting on a happy face and finding a new purpose, which is he's got a mission again, not to be Captain America, to be whatever U.S. agent is. The implication sort of being like a mercenary or whatever that can be hired or used by the government to do things. So I think we're just getting the beginning and there's still a lot more fallout to come from that because he's not well yet. And I think we see potentially in Cap 4 or in a Winter Soldier and Captain America Season 2 continuing to work with John Walker and I don't think Sam's going to give up on him. The dude did some terrible things, killed a man on live TV, potentially tarnished the legacy of Captain America. But Sam doesn't give up and wants to heal people. And people like John Walker are the type of people that he was trying to help prior to becoming a superhero himself. So I don't think we're done with it yet. I just think we haven't or they didn't do a great job of showing that, yeah, he's just kind of fronting that he's okay now. He's not. That's one of the missed opportunities, I feel, from having this series be so short. Sam is somebody who, again, like you said, this is his job. He helps people who were traumatized in the military come back and find their footing again. There is opportunity there. I do love the Sam speech. We can do better. That was the essence of the speech. We can do better. And it was all subjects combined. It wasn't just one. His speech was incredible at the end of the fight in the middle of the episode it was great it's when he became the successor to steve rogers you could argue steve was a good warrior a good fighter but how steve shaped the world and motivated those that was his real power and that wasn't what the serum did for him it was his idealism and arguably it's his idealism that helped cause the civil war you could say too part of it yeah yeah versus john walker john walker has to he has to clear his head he has to shake his head several times as things are going on. So, you know, things aren't right just by that, but that's subtle versus Sam is just so well put together. I mean, at at the end of the series, there's a clear delineation to me between the two and not to mention the fact that John should be held accountable for that death in Europe. Well, I mean, he technically was, it was just more a slap on the wrist. Yeah. I don't know if that's good enough. Exactly. That was what I was saying. I think you took me to say like, oh, he's okay. It's like mentally, which obviously he's not. But the show, the eye of the show takes it as 
he did this and we're supposed to forgive him where it's a good start, but it's, let me get, you can edit this out if you want. It might be slightly political, but it ties into real world events where white man in privilege fails and either gets promoted or has no discernible long-term effects done to him. Sort of the stuff they've kind of hinted at in this show before is that, yeah, he screwed up, but slap on the wrist. And part of it is also they can't be seen as destroying Captain America if they put him in that position. So I think that's why the punishment was what it was. I think you can't avoid real world politics when looking at this show. People are like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want politics in my entertainment. Marvel comics have always been political. Look, go back and look at them. Go back and look how they handled Vietnam. Go back and look how they handled civil rights. With this, it's very obvious that it was written by a black man because it would not have been the same if a white person tried to write Sam. It's not the same if a white person tries to write Isaiah. There is lived experience and generational trauma that I will never understand because it's not my it's not my background. I have different generational trauma, but that's that's not mine. In terms of politics, this came out at a very coincidentally appropriate time with regards to what's going on with race and the idea that we can be better, we should be better, people need to be held accountable. And I think that's another reason this hit me a little bit hard. Yeah, it's been it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a hell of a couple of weeks. It has the entire time of this series running. Yeah. Okay, so we're coming to the end of this discussion. I'll give everybody a chance for last thoughts. My last thought is Red Wing is back. The MCU has their R2D2 back. I'm so happy. And it's not just one Red Wing, it is two Red Wings. That suit has two Red Wings in it. It's gonna be awesome. Can't wait to see more of that in future stuff. And yeah, Red Wing can get smacked and smashed again, but we now know Red Wing can be replaced. So, yeah, okay, I'm good with it. You always have a backup. Yeah, exactly. Michelle, do you want to go next? The series had a bumpy start, but the last three episodes were really good, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, we've nitpicked a few things, but Really, overall, it was a good show. It's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It really was about Sam and Bucky working through some things, coming into their own. And yeah, I did end up liking it. This show is the model of things I want to see them do going forward with the MCU. And not necessarily everything gets a miniseries, but you can use these miniseries to fill in gaps that allow you to set things up for future movies. In all seriousness, they could have ended Endgame with Sam getting the shield, and the next time we see him on screen, he's Captain America. But think of the story and the interesting beats we would have lost in that that we got in these six episodes, that Sam confronting the legacy of Captain America, coming to understand how he should fit into it, Bucky at the same time finding a way to fold himself into the modern world, help heal himself. This is not an essential viewing thing when you start looking at the MCU movies at this point in time. But dear God, does it fill in a ton of gaps and explain the justifications and the reasonings for why Sam and Bucky get to where they are. And these are the cool, smaller story beats that then tie into the movies that I want to see them do more and more with MCU storytelling on Disney+. Plus. I think 
something that's important to remember is we, the people who are talking about this right now, we are not black Americans. I think something that I really recommend people do is find black critics, black podcasts, black people on Twitter and listen to their opinion. I've seen pretty mixed stuff. I've seen, oh, this was great. This was the representation we've needed. I've seen Sam's speech was incredibly milk toast. And the thing is, yeah, that's ultimately, I mean, yes, this show is for all of us, but there are certain things that I think the black voice right now counts more in terms of this. And I'm really happy about that because, I mean, look at it. The MCU has been very white. It's very white. Entertainment in general tends to be very white, especially, you know, entertainment in the U.S. And we're at a time now where we're actually, you see Marvel actively recruiting people of color to tell the story of these characters of color. And I'm so happy about that. I've talked before, you get, you get incredible stuff when you bring new voices in, when you bring people who have stories that you've never heard, who have opinions that you've never thought of. We saw it with Black Panther. We all loved how amazing that was. We're going to see it with Shang-Chi coming up. We're seeing it with this. I'm just really hoping that this trend of trying to find these marginalized voices continues. And I'm incredibly happy and excited to see where it goes. Yeah, what you all said. Now, there's one more important voice that we need to hear from. And Michelle, did you talk to your mom about how she liked this episode? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you think we have some audio from that? I think we do. Okay. Let's go ahead and play it. Falcon and a Winter Soldier. Yeah. Episode six, the finale. Uh-huh. So did you like Sam as Captain America? Hell yes, I did. It's about time. Uh, and I love the suit. It's flying Captain America. Yes. Oh, it was awesome. It was beautiful. So did you like how he was able to like fight with like the shield? Yes, and- he trained himself. That was awesome. I mean, he knew he had to be Captain America. He had to. Was the series a good way to show Sam's evolution? Into yes, it, yes, it was yes. Mm-hmm. But Sam's journey, Sam's journey. I think he had to go through that to show that Steve gave him that shield to actually become the new Captain America. But I think he had to go through this process to say he thought maybe he wasn't worthy because quote unquote he's not white and blonde and blue eyes well anyways i think he had to go through the process to show that he could become captain america and he did and bucky knew it too did you like that moment when he called him cal yes yes did you like bucky's journey yes bucky had to go through with sam on each journey of, of each other, you know, different of their own. Yeah, because he ended up telling his friend yes. about a son. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What'd you think about with Isaiah? <gasps> oh my gosh, that was beautiful. I cried. I did too. <sighs> I mean, what he did, just like with Steve, you know, and I won't get into it, but I mean, for Isaiah to be recognized for what he had did for this country was absolutely beautiful. What did you think of the title change at the end? I loved it. I clapped. I clapped. I go, yay! Yes! Because it seems as though there's going to be a Captain America 4 starring Anthony Mackie. Yes! Ooh, I can't wait. Yes. But they kind of need to change the Winter Soldier. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. There's an issue about that in the comics, but I won't go into that. So, final thing. Sharon Carter. Yeah. So here's the thing. We've been having this debate on the podcast about, is it believable that Sharon became a power broker? Because considering that she was considered a traitor when Mm -hmm. she gave Sam and Steve, you know, the wings and the shield, and she was not snapped. So she had the five years. So we're having this debate about whether or not like these past five years or so, is that enough to make her what we're calling Breaking Bad? Do you believe it or do you care? Half and half. Half and half? Yeah, half and half. You know, well, she got on the phone after she got reinstated, you know. So the the pawnbroker came back. Yeah, the power broker part. Yeah. Yeah. We're We're debating. I didn't find it that interesting. No. Now, John Walker, U.S. agent. Yes, that is a comic book character, and his outfit being black like that is um, true to the comics. Ah, okay. So it it actually is a character. Yes. Yes, it is actually a comic book character. Hmm. Okay. Might be interesting to see. It it would be. All right. So the show started... Right. Not, not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the last three episodes, oh, awesome. Especially this last one when he oh, came Captain America. Thank you. You're welcome. Ooh. Your mom's adorable. She is. She is. <laughs> that was amazing. All right. Last question before we leave this. You going to rewatch this series sometime in the future, Lauren? Yes. I'm actually going to be watching the episode again after we stop recording it's this and mortal Kombat tonight and yeah i i need to go back and rewatch this and rewatch wandavision and see all the stuff that you know i missed or that's kind of more meaningful now that we know what's going on chris yeah i'll go back and rewatch it probably not immediately but as we get closer and closer to a certain movie that'll get discussed in the news i assume i'll be sure to go and rewatch this as part of my preparation for that Michelle? Same prep. Um, like I'm going to rewatch. I already have plans to rewatch WandaVision before Doctor Strange, before I see Doctor Strange 2. I'm rewatching the entire MCU right now, which will include Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am in the middle of Avengers, uh, actually at the end in the last battle scene of Avengers right now, where Tony Stark gets a suit, and, you know, he falls out and he gets a suit. That's where I am right now. So I will get around to watching this again, no matter what. But I might have it on in the background as I'm cooking dinner or something like that in the meantime. So with that, we do have a little break between this series that we just completed and the next Disney Plus MCU series, which will be Loki, 
And that will time will be filled up with Jessica Jones. It will be our last season of the Defenders series. Jessica Jones season three. So next episode, we'll be covering episode one through three in order to get the entire season in before Loki starts. So you have anything to say about Jessica Jones episode one through three or season three in general, try to stay away from spoilers because the three of us that will be podcasting on it have not seen season three yet, or I think Michelle might have, but Lauren and I haven't. So try to stay away from spoilers, but please let us know how you like the series with that. Let's get into some news. Yeah, as we've been talking about, we get we're getting Captain America four. Yeah, we're getting Captain America four. They are talking to the writer Malcolm Spellman, and it's like it says it's we're getting it with Sam with Anthony Mackie. We can presume it's going to tie into this. I am very excited. I love Anthony Mackie, and I am so happy to see his run as Captain America. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it's happening. I'm just glad they kept it quiet enough to wait until the series was done to be like, yeah, we're talking about making Captain America 4. I'm curious to see where it goes and who all they take from Falcon and Winter Soldier, both from the actor list and from the production and writing side of the house. Because like you guys mentioned, Malcolm Spellman is supposedly on board to kind of lead the effort. And one of the writers they cited specifically in an article I saw in The Hollywood Reporter who was in the writer's room and wrote the bulk of episode five, I guess, is on board to help write the script for Captain America 4. Excellent. We have more casting news about Thor. Okay, so this is a little spoilery. We know that Russell Crowe was in Thor 4, didn't know us who. Apparently the Marvel snipers are going to be after him. He had an interview with, I think it's a radio show called Joy Breakfast. He's talking about how excited he is to be filming so close to home. He can just like go see his kids. And he says, I'm going to get on my bicycle. I'm going to ride up to Disney Fox Studios and around 915, I shall be Zeus. Okay. We do know that Christian Bale is playing the God Killer in Thor 4. So it kind of makes sense to have, okay, Marvel the comics, it's not, oh, they're aliens. It's no, they are, they are the literal, you know, gods. We had, the God Squad in, in Secret Invasion, actually, now that I think about it, where a bunch of like Hercules and Thor and some other people, they all went to try and kill the Skrull gods. It was a big thing. We know Hercules is a character in the comics and one that I'm really hoping they bring into the MCU because he's a ton of fun. And I don't know if it's a cameo. I don't know if he's going to have a big part. But Apparently, unless it's all misdirection, that's who he's going to be playing. This opens the door for other godlike or demigod figures in the MCU. And I want Ares in the MCU because the way Marvel handles Ares, he's a ton of fun. It would be just a blast to see involved in things. I know we've talked about it before, but I'm still looking forward to seeing Sif back in Thor. Oh, yes. We're going to move on to more Falcon and Winter Soldier news. Okay, so we talked a little, we touched on this earlier. Right now, it's, you know, oh, it's, we're going to nominate stuff for the Emmys and all that tonight as we film, as we are recording, it's the Oscars, it's award season. So they are planning, okay, WandaVision 
is getting submitted as a limited series. It's, you know, one and done. Falcon and Winter Soldier is running as a drama series and not a limited series. Nate Moore, the vice president of production and development, has not confirmed more seasons officially, but he has said that ideas are kicking around. So there is a very good chance we could get more of this, and I'm always happy to get more stuff that I like. Yeah, I'm totally on board. Give me more. They may not have plans to do a season two anytime soon, but they left the door open. It'd be great to do after Captain America 4 to explore the fallout as a Disney Plus series. So true. And Marvel is teasing us once again about the Netflix characters. Okay. Again, all just rumors. But given some of the casting news that we've had in recent months, maybe a founded one. We know that Charlie Cox has a cameo in Spider-Man. It could be pulling a Fietro with us, but it's rumored that he's reprising his role as Matt Murdock. Supposedly, Charlie Cox, Kristen Ritter, John Bernthal, and Vincent D'Onofrio are set to reprise their roles in some capacity in the current MCU as Daredevil, Jessica Jones, the Punisher, and Wilson Fisk. But if it happens, they will not be the same versions of the characters we saw on Netflix. They won't have the same backstories. It's just they'll, they'll tell new stories with them. I'm happy about this because as much as I loved most of the Netflix stuff, it's the actors that I really, really, really love. And again, just give me more stuff that I love. I was very sad when they announced the end of the Netflix stuff. Give us, make it canon now. Yes. I don't think they'll actually give this to us because of difficulties with Sony and the unknown fate of Spider-Man. What I would love to see Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk have some kind of story with Spider-Man because Spider-Man and Kingpin, they go together hand in hand, much like, uh, uh, I almost said Deadpool, Daredevil and a Wilson Fisk do. Those are two superheroes that deal with him a lot. And I would love to get to see that. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head for me, Lauren, in that I love the characters. If you take a look at the Netflix Defender series, and we still have to do Jessica Jones season three, but they started off very dark, I think too dark for Disney Plus and perhaps too dark for the MCU. And they ended up not being written as well at the end of the, you know, season two, season threes of the series. So to take the character, take the actors in the same characters Give them different backstories, one that fits within the level that is acceptable, I guess, within the MCU. I think that would be awesome to have, and I'm on board with it. Yeah, it's like the Netflix stuff was the Marvel Knights imprint, and the Disney stuff is just the regular Marvel imprint. So find a way to make them dark, but make it, I guess, because we can we have some dark stuff in the current MCU. Just maybe not as dark as some of the Netflix stuff. And not as gruesome, because some of those fights were pretty gruesome. Yeah. And we have a video game. It's not a video game. So Marvel, this was just announced like last week. Marvel and the NBA are going to be teaming up for an NBA game with an Avengers story. It will be airing on May 3rd. It's going to be like an augmented reality thing or a game between the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans that will weave elements from an original Marvel story and characters 
including Iron Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Black Widow, and Doctor Strange. They're going to be using, like I said, 3D characters, animation packages, and customized graphics to tell the tale of the Avengers watching the match in hopes of finding new heroes to help them fight an invading army. Okay, so I love basketball. I love Marvel. I'm not sure I'm going to be watching this. This is a hard pass. I I couldn't care less. I'm glad there's seemingly some folks out there that are really interested in this, but no, I'm out. To me, this harkens a little bit to Mexican wrestling, which is you know a storytelling thing that is is known. But I'm not sure this will work in America. I'm not sure this will work in professional sports. It gets a little bit too entertaining in my sports. I mean, I want my sports to be like real things, and this is infusing out and out fantasy. You realize you're talking to two wrestling fans here. <laughs> yes, I am, and that's why I equated the two. Yeah, it's. It's more that I know the story is going to be bad because (laughs) how much of a story can you tell here? I'm all for trying new things, new mediums, new forms of storytelling, but I feel like this maybe isn't it. You were talking about, you know, wrestling. There is a show that ran for like four or five seasons called Lucha Underground, and it's a bunch of wrestlers. But the, the stuff like, okay, this person got their heart ripped out. This person was like eaten by a god, stuff like that. So even more above and beyond than the usual, like the Undertaker is a literal undead zombie with witch powers. But the thing is, it's all fairly consistent across, you know, you have storylines that are all kind of fairly consistent in their level of disbelief. Here, I feel like because it's not. There, it, this is not a medium that supports this kind of storytelling. It's not going to be the MCU Space Jam. It's this. This is going to be a one and done kind of thing. I think, and so. it'll be. Oh, we didn't anticipate how much people were going to go. The hell is this? <laughs> and not want to watch. I don't have great confidence in it. I got two th- last thoughts on this. First of all, if you take a look at storytelling within a professional game, let's take a look at the Super Bowl and commercials that are interlaid throughout the Super Bowl to tell a specific story. How well does that work? Eh, it's how well a one minute or 30 second commercial works four or five times throughout the Super Bowl. You can make your own determination there. I personally don't think it works very well. Nobody's talking about it years later like they are the MCU. The other thing that I will say is as far as believability it's mm, uh yeah i see it kind of like the star wars christmas special (laughs) i mean if they want to pull something off like this they need to do what they did when spider-man homecoming was coming out and they did those tie-in commercials with the nba all-star game that had robert downey jr john favreau and tom holland and told a story over like four or five different commercials about how Peter was getting invited to Tony Stark's NBA All-Star Game party in the penthouse. And he was on his way and then got told to go pick up saltine crackers because Reggie Miller wanted them. And he stops a robbery as Spider-Man and brings the crackers back and finally gets there in the end. He's like, where's Mr. Stark? And you go on TV and he's courtside at the All-Star Game and they're all just and everyone else is just hanging out at his house watching it. That was fun, told a story and also kind of kept people engaged during commercials. I also feel like this is about a year too late. You've had a year of people trying to figure out ways to make empty stadium, empty arena shows interesting. You know, you don't have the audience cheering them on. 
So you've had stuff like WWE doing the Thunderdome with all the screens. You've had in soccer, they have the, the cutouts. I think if they had done this last year when, first of all, we were all starving for new entertainment and also there were no people in the audience as opposed to some people in the audience, I might be a little more forgiving. Okay, we'll see how it turns out. And our last bit of news is about kissing. Okay, I saw this. It made me laugh. I had to link it. Somebody on Polygon wrote an article about the investigation into the lack of kissing in the MCU. And the author went phase by phase and pointed out like, okay, these are the movies where it happened. These are the circumstances of it. They were all pretty chaste and kind of at the end wondering why. Possibly because it's being more geared towards kids and what I think it is more international audiences. When you have something that you want to appeal to the most number of people, you try to take out the stuff that will offend certain people. And while I think this is a pretty milquetoast way of making entertainment, I guess I understand from a business decision, even if I don't agree personally. And it was also pointed out that nearly all the kisses were between straight white couples. The only two exceptions where it was not two white people, one man, one woman kissing, was Nakia and T'Challa in Black Panther and Peter and MJ. And that's it. Earlier I was talking about, hey, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is still pretty white. This is kind of emblematic of that. And it's never going to be a big heavy smooch fest. These just aren't those kind of stories. But it does point out some just some interesting things from observing. I don't think the stories often lend themselves to kisses and things like that. It happens on occasion, but whatever. They they found an interesting story and some interesting facts to back it up. It's a superhero movie, guys. You're not going to have kissing very often to begin with. And that's it for the news. So we have a couple of bits of feedback. One was brought to us by Mr. Paracletes at Twitter. And the same one was brought to us by Adana Girl on Twitter. They both retweeted the same thing for us. It was a tweet by Corey Havens, which was canonically Valentina Allegra de Fontaine used to be married to Phil Coulson. No one's going to argue with me, right? <laughs> and then there is a picture. What is the picture, Lauren? The picture is Julia Louis-Dreyfus in a very striking red dress, sitting on a couch looking, what would we say this expression is like, really? While talking to a kind of confused-looking Clark Gregg, also sitting on the couch in just casual t-shirt and pants. I have been told this is from Seinfeld. I did not watch enough Seinfeld to know. I don't know. That might be a different sitcom that she did, because that looks too modern of stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, plus I didn't think Elaine from Seinfeld was married. No, she wasn't. Okay, well, I don't know what series this is from then. I think this, the Christine series? Yeah, New Adventures of Old Christine, I think might be it. Okay, yes, they were in that together. Okay. Well, yeah, the two of them used to be married, I guess, on TV. <laughs> so, it's canon. 
<laughs> it's Marvel canon now, apparently. I think that was pretty neat. All right, and thanks for all the feedback. Uh, thanks for the great conversations that we've been having on Discord. Chris, you've been a huge component to that. You've been going to town on the Spoilers channel as well as in Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we really appreciate that. We appreciate everybody that's been talking back and forth to us on Twitter, Discord, and everywhere else. So thank you. I wanted to make sure we brought this episode home, the finale of the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or the premiere episode of Captain America and the Winter Soldier, whichever one you want to go. So thank you, Chris, for joining us to make it so special. Well, thanks for the invite. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to everybody who gets a hold of us, whether it's on Twitter or wherever. I'm very sorry I didn't live tweet this weekend. It has been an interesting weekend. If you're interested, check out my Twitter. But otherwise it's a long story but thank you so much for sending us this picture it gave us all a good laugh and we like knowing that you're enjoying what we're doing and we hope to keep entertaining you yeah thank you to everyone who interacts with us whether it's on twitter or discord and you know for listening to our rambling and for liking my contributions of my mom Michelle's mom's take is my personal favorite portion of the entire episode. So until next time, when we're talking Jessica Jones, season three, I'm producer of the show, director SP. I'm agent Lauren. I'm agent Michelle. And I'm consultant Chris. I hope we're not having to pay you too much, Chris. I don't have much. We'll talk about that after the show. It's the bill I was worried about. Okay. (laughs) Bye. See everybody later. You thought Stark's rates were bad. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hey, look at that guy. Good afternoon. Sorry. Hello. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) all right hey i'm just coming on to tell you that chris is taking over the show have a good show see you guys later bye (laughs) (laughs) i'm back Uh (laughs) uh-huh that was a very short reign of terror that i had you didn't even have to play anybody off or it's good because i don't have any of the bumps well you would have made some up you would have hummed them Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. There's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's been a hell of a last few days, and but. I didn't live. <laughs> Pike is now recovered from cutting off circulation to his penis. So, how does that even? Okay, so he was perfectly fine for most of the day. Like I was feeling bad. We were both napping together on the couch. I thought he was feeling bad because 
you know, of his, his busted leg. I thought we were both like just feeling bad from the weather. And then he went to go like use the bathroom. And I remember seeing, I remember thinking about it because we, we cut a little cat door into the laundry room and I'm like, oh, it's so cute when he does that. And he came out and then I noticed he looked like he was trying to use the bathroom on the blanket we were laying on. So I was like, no. And I picked him up and he started just screaming like in pain. And I started panicking and I was like, we need to go to the vet. He's blocked, blah, blah, blah. So I wrenched my back in my panic to like get the cat carrier, shove him in the cat carrier and get him to the stairs. We go to the vet and he's screaming and it was horrific. There's, oh God. So he's in there and because I, when I picked him up, I was like, his abdomen feels kind of full. I was like, oh my God, he can't pee. He's going to die. And the vet was like, um, so yeah, he was kind of plugged up, but also he had hair wrapped around his penis. And I'm like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, I, I've never seen this in cats. I've really only seen this in chinchillas. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we caught it early. So there's no, I mean, he's sore, but there's no damage. But it was very nearly very bad. And now today he's, yesterday he was a little out of it still. Today he's back to normal, being a pest, trying to knock over the switch because I wasn't paying attention to him. <laughs> But yeah, that that was between that neck pain, back pain from wrenching my back doing that. Yeah, so between all that, tomorrow is my birthday, day after I get my neck burned, Thursday I get my second COVID shot, next weekend's my sister's baby shower. It's a week. It is Sounds like it. How are y'all? <laughs> I think better. I don't yeah. I, I, I think. I don't know. I'm still trying to <laughs> I don't know. Like I, he's, I, I looked it up. I was like, does this happen? Like, how often does this happen in cats? And they're like, this happens in long hair breeds. And I'm like, I guess a short haired cat. I don't, I don't understand. And the vet was like, mm. <laughs> so, when the vet is like, well, no, wait, I swear to God, our cat, every pet we've ever had has had weird stuff. Like fatty. We had to remove his ear canal. Pike, I mean, Tonks had his exploding butt, and now Pike with his, like, almost amputation of his penis. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, Lauren. Not, I don't, I, I can't, I mean, I, I don't know. I, yeah. Like, I, I don't even, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I understand. Weird. That was a thing that happened took another 15 bags of carpet out of the condo oh fun and should be ready my parents are coming in on tuesday that's when the install is going to start hopefully that gets done soon probably going to be a four-day job had to take off of work so that's what's going on in my world well that was fun thank you for the invite guys i appreciate it thank you know you're rocking the series I've been really excited about this one, and most of the folks I work with are uh, not yet caught up on it, so it's just been like, I can't talk about it! I can't talk about it! <laughs> yeah, that's one of the benefits and the detriments of a streaming show. I am glad that they went week by week, though. I, I don't think this would have been a good binge watch. Ooh. No. This one's too good for water cooler conversation. Not <laughs> as good as WandaVision, I don't think, but... Yeah, I still think I like WandaVision a little more, but I really did like this one. 
WandaVision didn't, I mean, it was impossible to, to have Captain America without going through all the in-depth conversations that they had to go through. Yeah. It's just WandaVision was really weird, and I like that. Yes, it was very different than anything else that I've had on TV that I can think of recently, too. Yep. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.